Amen. Well, why don't you open your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 8 as we talk about the wisdom of a joyful God and a happy home. A joyful God, a God who is full of joy, but also we're going to connect that to the right living, the right decision-making, and the right skills, life skills of having a happy home. If you were to ask Christians today, maybe even non-Christians, to complete the sentence, God is, and fill in the blank, what do you think people's response would be? Not only is it a popular song by uh, Kanye West, God is, but really um, it gives you an insight to people's thoughts and their associations or their understanding of who God is. I think for most Christians, when you say God is, they would say what? Love, right? 1 John 4, 7 and 8, God is love. Uh, if you ask other Christians, maybe they would say God is holy. Maybe our Reformed brothers and sisters would say, yes, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Their uh, thinking would be and their understanding of God is a holy God. As we have started Proverbs, maybe you could say God is to be feared, right? That the beginning of wisdom is to fear God and we're to um, worship God or God is to be honored or God is holy. Maybe for non-Christians or those who don't know the Lord, if you're the unchurched, maybe say God is um, disinterested or God is uninvolved or God is unaware of what's happening in the world or God is apathetic. Uh, whether it's from non-believers or those who are unchurched to Christians, there's different aspects of God. Uh, some are not true, but uh, as for believers, I think most of the time we think of maybe God as like this distant God, that He is this transcendent being, which God is transcendent, meaning He's other than us. But I think we... Think of God as like this old grandpa or that he's angry. Maybe part of it is from the revival with Jonathan Edwards, right? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Or we think of or the Greek mythology where Zeus, God is up there with a thunderbolt. It's like waiting for you to do the wrong thing so he could strike you with a thunderbolt. Well, I kind of gave it away in the opening sentence, but... I want to talk to us about how God is a God of joy, that He is a joyful God, that He is this joyous being. May I submit to you this morning that God is a God of joy. Or if we fill in the blank, God is joy. Um, peppered throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God is not only represented, but God is expressed as a God of joy. That when He created, uh, in Genesis 1, it says it's good that He took pleasure in His creation. Uh, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand there's pleasures forevermore. That in the person of God, in the being of Jesus, there is this joy, but not only any type of joy, but there's the fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there's 
pleasures forevermore. How many of us think of God that way? That joy and fullness of joy, but also pleasures forevermore. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 2, hey, the second fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. The second thing that the Holy Spirit births in us and works in us is this fruit of joy. Uh, John 15 verse 11, Jesus says, I have told you this so that your joy may be complete. There is a complete joy in God, in Christ. There's joy, there's pleasures, there's delight. In fact, Jesus says, you know, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come to give life to the full. In other words, there is a potential. There is this capacity. There is this fullness of joy that could only be found in God who created you and who knows you from the womb. Jesus has come to give life eternal. In fact, in John chapter 4, it says that there's rivers of living water that would flow through you, that we would have eternal life, and that we would be rivers of living water. John chapter 7, verse 38. And so I want to talk to us about the God of joy, but also how that influences and that how that informs this joy in having a happy home or a joyous or a joyful home. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22. The Lord brought me forth, me there, let me pause, me there refers to wisdom. So in Proverbs 8, it says, does not wisdom call out? Is not wisdom supposed to be sought after? So wisdom here is personified as a person, okay? Let me, let's start all over. Verse 22, the Lord brought me wisdom forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Wisdom was there. Before he made the world or its fields or any dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary, so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth. And this is what I want to focus on uh, this morning. And the rest of the message is this. Then I was constantly, wisdom was constantly at God's side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So four times here, twice it mentions delight and twice it mentions rejoicing. That in the very beginning, God had great joy and God took extreme delight in making creation 
that God had created wisdom and wisdom was side by side, that God had the wisdom to create separations and divisions and seasons and times. And it says in, in verse 30 here in Proverbs 8 that God took great delight in life itself, that God took great delight and great rejoicing in people, in mankind, in you and me. That in our everyday life, just as God created us, we are to have joy in everything that we do. You know, the most famous parenting verse in the whole book of Proverbs is probably in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, right? Where it says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that's great to know, but the book of Proverbs has so much more to say to parents. You see, Proverbs, it gives us a deep insight that will spare our families of pain, but also it will give our families joy. It shows us more clearly the way a child should go. And what is the way that a child should go? What is today's main point regarding wisdom and the joy of God? It's this. Would you write this down? Create an environment of joy for your kids to love God. If you could walk away with anything, if you could live out uh, a truth or a principle from the book of Proverbs today regarding the joy of God and um, having a home, a happy home, it's that we are to create an environment. We are to create a home or a space of joy so that our children would love God, that we make it easier for our kids to love God when we have a joyous home. We read in Proverbs 8, 30 to 31, how much rejoicing and delight God took in creation. It whispers to us in the open secret revealed all throughout creation, which is this, that God's cheerful wisdom is displayed in the simple realities of everyday human life, including, of course, family life. So in our thought life, in our psychology, in our relationships, in our finances, in our sexuality, in everyday life, God's wisdom is how everything we care about, how things actually work for His glory. And one of our primary tasks, parents, you need to listen to me, pay attention, lean in and, and uh, pay attention, is to impart our children, impart to our children this shining awareness and this positive expectancy of joy in God's making. And what does that look like? It looks like this. Would you write this down? That the home is a place to experience God's goodness. Our home, where we spend a majority of our time, we might, might work nine to five or eight, eight to four, and when we come home, where we eat together, where we laugh together, we watch movies together, we play board games together, we sleep and we just do life from our home, the home is, is a place to experience the goodness of God. 
one of the questions you ask yourself as a parent is like, man, what is the ultimate reality? What is the ultimate reality of my family? What is the ultimate reality of my marriage? And, you know, Moses, he asked this prayer or this request from God in, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 17, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, God, show me your glory. And I want you to catch the connection here between God's glory. And he says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Do you guys see that? God's glory is expressed in what? His goodness. So in other words, the way that we display the glory of God, the presence of God in our homes, in our relationships, in our parenting, in our families, is through the goodness of God. Make your home easy for your kids to love Jesus. Create an environment where your kids can experience the goodness of God. When our kids were small, we would read the Bible to them every night and we would pray with them and we'd ask them to pray uh, since they were little babies. We read to them, we prayed for them. And as they got older, you know, we just ended up praying for them. But we really wanted them to uh, experience and in have initiative of knowing God and really taking ownership of their faith and having them develop their own relationship with God and to hear from God and for them to speak to God. And God reveals himself through his word. So when they were younger, when they were old enough to start reading, uh, we start doing devotions with them. And, you know, we really wanted um, to create our home. Uh, it's a place where they would experience the goodness of God. I have here an Instagram uh, post from August 18, 2014, where Monday is our used to be our Sabbath day, but it says right here, Sabbath day with the boys. Started off with devotions with their first ever soapy life journal, and we went fishing. I love their little personalities, Judah being outdoorsy and fishing while Noah is artsy, more on the inside, sitting on the shade, eating popcorn and drawing on his journal. This was seven years ago to this day where, hey, it's our day of Sabbath, it's our day of rest. Um, at that time, uh, Renee was working as a music teacher at Cocoa Head and we were homeschooling our kids. So it's like, hey, we'll make this time of hearing God's word and doing our devotions and reading our Bible. We want it to be a sweet experience. So I ended up taking them fishing, things that they wanted to do. We would do fishing uh, devotions first, then we would go fishing. Uh, if you look at the next slide here, this is a post on October 24th, 2016, about five years ago. It says, Mondays are always double blessing. It's Sabbath, and I get to do devotions with the boys. We celebrate this double blessing with a double chocolatey chip frappuccino and double smoked bacon. Hashtag parenting win, raising boys, Jesus first. 
So we want the, our kids to experience the goodness of God. We wanted our home to be a place where they could experience the, the grace and the goodness of God. And, you know, we could have gone either way. Hey, time to read your Bible, you know. And it's time to play some worship music because that's all you're going to do in heaven. I was like, no, you know what? When we do our devotions and it's our Sabbath and I do devotions with you, you guess what, you guys? We'll go get double smoked bacon uh, sandwich at Starbucks and we'll get double chocolatey chip frappuccino. And, and I want them so bad to just associate... Uh, the sweetness of a frappuccino <laughs> and chocolate with tasting the Word of God. And here's another post, Monday Devotions. This was December 12, 2016. Jesus, coffee, and the double-smoked bacon. No better way to start my day off. You see here, um, I'm associating... Uh, the good things of God, the joyous things of God. I want my kids to be like, when they think of Bible, they think of bacon and they think of frappuccinos. They think of sweet things. Like I was a Bible devotions. I, was, I want them to drool because they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And creating a, a space and an atmosphere for your kids to know the Lord and to hear from God. It should be a joyous experience. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, we still got to instill discipline. And we want our kids to, you know, do their homework and do the chores and, and study. But the most important thing is that we're going to make it easy. Our home is going to be an easy place. We're going to make it easy for them to love God. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 says, For everything God created is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Everything that God created is good. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 17. Paul says, To put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God, who is a good God, He takes great joy. He takes delight. The things that He's created, it's for us to enjoy. It's for us to love. It's for us to look forward to. These joyous things that we experience, they're a foretaste. They're a little appetizer. They're little poo-poos, as it were, to the great, to the grand course of God Himself. That God, He gives this common grace. He gives good things for us. This God who is the God of enjoyment, of sunsets. This God of sunrises, of mangoes, ooh, of ice cream and butter mochi. This God of friendship, of having children. This God of naps and sleeping and uh, having a spouse. And having children, these things that we enjoy in life, taking a hike, going to the beach, going surfing. These are, are things to be enjoyed for you and for me. So create an environment for your kids to, to love God. I didn't know this, but later on, um, 
a Hebrew family, when they would have Sabbath, they would give their, their children one uh, teaspoon of honey so that they would taste the sweetness of resting. So what does that look like for us to create an environment where our children can uh, experience the presence or the goodness of God? I think a big part of that is Sabbath, where we cease from our work, we cease from our striving. Tell the kids, hey, get all your homework done so that we could have a day of enjoyment where um, it's not going around doing chores. It's not going to soccer practice. It's not going to jujitsu. It's not going to run errands, but simply to rest and enjoy. And sometimes, you know, our kids ask, hey, we had such a good time. Could we invite our friends? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And can I just tell you something here? Like make it a point especially if your children, if your kids have uh, friends that are unchurched or they're, uh, they don't believe in, in Jesus and they're non-Christians, and we, we make it a point where, man, our, our kids' friends, they have no chance because we're just going to love on them and we're just going to show them the goodness of God, the joy of a family knowing Jesus. I mean... I remember a couple times, uh, you know, we, we took our kids off-roading and they brought their friends. So we go to Kaena Point, we'll go off-road and um, we have maize hamburger. We put in a grill, we go to the edge of Kaena Point, we jump off the rocks. Uh, you know, the kids go jumping and diving and doing gainers and flips and all that stuff. I'd sit on their beach chair just enjoying and relaxing. And on the way back, uh, as we were driving, I I'd let my 13-year-old son Judah drive, and all the kids, um, all the kids were like, oh, "Uncle, is that okay?" I'm like, "I'm a pastor. I'll allow it." No, I'm just kidding. I said, "Hey, you know, it's safe. Nobody's here." So they're like, "Oh," and Judah gets to drive in front of his friends and be a cool guy, you know, and 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 drive. And then after that, we go to 7-Eleven. I was like, "Hey, get anything you want," which usually. Uh, you know, sour watermelons or lihingmoy watermelons or and Slurpees and all just the treats that they could have. It's like, hey, get get whatever you guys want. It's on us. That we want them to have a sense of joy. That our home is a place where you know they, our our children could look forward to coming home. Look forward to when dad and mom are home, so that they they know that there is joy. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week and, you know, they say that about 70% of college students, they walk away from the faith. They stop being Christians when they go to college. And a big connection that they saw was that, you know, it's like, oh, my dad, he wouldn't let us do anything, you know. Uh, he was so, you can't listen to heavy metal music, you can't listen to rap music, and oh, wouldn't have my friends come over, wouldn't let my, you know, and you have to go to church, and it was so boring. I was like, bruh, like, Sundays for our family, you know, we, our kids, we usually go, what do you guys want for lunch? And we go to Teddy's Burgers, you know what I mean? Sometimes we go to Taco Bell, because <laughs> that's what they want, or we make a special dinner, um, and we let the kids one wheel uh, 
from our home to the church, or they ride their bikes before when we're in Haina, now they have a one wheel and they have this electronic unicycle and they just have fun and we give them cash like, hey, you guys could go to McDonald's if you want or 7-Eleven, get yourself a treat. Because we want this to be like a sweet experience. We want them to think of this like it's, it's a treat to go to church. And when we have dinner, you know, it's like, hey, we'll, we'll go to Genki Sushi or because uh, we want them to taste, physically taste the goodness and the joy of knowing Jesus, of going to church. And we let them sit in service. And actually, the studies from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, they said the number one contributor of young people falling away is because there's such a separation, there's such a uh, prof uh, professionalism of, oh, this official youth pastor, now you go to youth group, you don't go to the main service, and you go with your youth friends, and they're isolated, they, didn't, they don't sit in with adults, and, um, and what ends up happening is when they graduate from high school, they graduate from youth group, they've kind of, in their mind, it's kind of ingrained that they've graduated from church or they've graduated from Christianity but what we do as a church is hey our young people sit in church they engage with the adults they see their their how real and authentic um, adults are and they're that we're passionate about Jesus they see us worshiping our hands and and there's a stickiness to that you know enjoy your relationship with your teenagers and I can see it right now like Oh, my son, he's a teenager. Oh, my, oh, our daughter, she's a teenager now. And it's going to be that time and uh, off with their friends and a boyfriend. And like, oh, I'm dreading my kids to be teenagers. I was like, no, I look forward to that. You know, uh, my kids, not because we bought them a cell phone, but their auntie spoiled them and got them cell phones. But, you know, I one of the things is I... We're in a group chat with my kids and I text them memes, funny stuff that they can enjoy. Here's one right here. This was uh, way back in December 13, 2019, where it's a picture of Post Malone, which is a rapper. And it was December, so we were watching Home Alone and I saw this meme. It says, Home Malone. And, you know, my kids are like, Dad, you're so cringy. And you see that, that uh, text right there says, bruh. Bro, come on, Dad. But I, I, hey, like, I'm a dad. I tell dad jokes, and I want to have this interaction. You know, my son Noah, he sends me memes and IG reels like two or three times a day, and we just laugh, and we just enjoy this relationship because God is a God of joy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to close uh, this morning. With number two, would you write this down? Is that rejoice in the God of your salvation. All this talk about joy and having a home that is happy, it's rooted in the God of joy. And I want you to, I'm pleading with you, church, find your joy in Christ and rejoice in the God of your salvation. I'll turn to Zephaniah chapter 3 as we wrap this up. It says, on that day, what day? In the day of their salvation, when God would save Jerusalem, it shall be said, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. 
The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Look at this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The word rejoice over you literally means it's to dance or to skip or to spin around and to twirl with joy. God, he dances, he would shouts of joy over us. That might not be in your paradigm or the way you think about God, but on the day that God saved you, he rejoiced, he danced over you. Charles Spurgeon, uh, talking about this verse, says this, If God sings, shall we not sing? He did not sing when he made the world, no. He looked upon it and simply said that it was good. The angels sang. The sons of God shouted for joy. Creation was very wonderful to them, but it was not much to God, who could have made a thousand of worlds by his mere will. Creation could not make him sing. When all was done and the Lord saw what became of it in the salvation of his redeemed, then he rejoiced after a divine manner. God is a God who rejoices over your salvation. What does Spurgeon say here? He says, hey, when God created the heavens and the earth, he had great rejoicing, but he did not sing. He didn't dance. It was only on the day and the moment that he saved you, that he redeemed you, that he calls you unto his own, when you responded to the gospel, then God danced over you. In Luke chapter 15, we see here the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the prodigal son. In all these instances, there's three things in common. First is that something valuable was lost, whether it was a coin, a sheep, or a son. Secondly, because something valuable was lost, it warranted a search that the shepherd left the 99 to seek the one that was lost, that the woman tossed her home, looked through her furniture, tried to find that one lost coin. And the prodigal son, the father, meaning God, that while he was still a long way off, even the Hebrew culture says that they are to stone, bring his rebellious son into the gates and have him stoned. He ran after him. Do you guys know that's the only instance in scripture where God runs? God runs after you. His goodness runs after you. His mercies run after you. He pursues you with an everlasting love. And so would you rejoice in the God of your salvation? If God rejoices over you and in your salvation, we should rejoice in our salvation, right? That we should never neglect and choose to forsake our first love. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you that you are a God of joy, that you're not a grumpy grandpa up there, that you're not some irritated a tyrant in the sky but lord you are a god who rejoices over us and i just pray right now that our homes that our families lord would be environments of joy 
that the goodness and the glory of God would be displayed, Lord, in, in how we spend time together and how we um, do life together, how we uh, relate and, and converse with one another. Lord, I pray right now that you would cause a revival and start it in the home. Start it, Lord God, in each one of us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that from generation to generation, uh, you are faithful and you, uh, Lord, instruct us and you expect us, oh Lord God, to pass that along to our children. And so, Father, we thank you that you've equipped us for every good thing, for every good work. You've, you've equipped us with your Holy Spirit, but you've equipped us with your word so that we could have wisdom, Lord, to create environments and homes of joy. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.